The Fake Show Podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, now with two locations, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, Mr. Antenna, and by Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. Now your host, Jim Tofty. When 21-year-old Christina Whitaker disappeared in the small town of Hannibal, Missouri, a frantic search immediately began, and eight months later, filmmaker Christina Fontana met Whitaker's family when filmmaker a documentary about the families of missing persons. Fontana then stuck with this case for 11 years, and it's now part of her six-part docu-series called Relentless on Discovery+. Plus. I've got filmmaker Christina Fontana on the line right now. How are you doing? Hi, good morning. How are you? Christina, good morning. I'm great, thank you. Welcome to the show. I love true crime documentaries and docu-series uh, because if done right, they kind of slowly unfold and pull you in. But in this case, it's kind of a different situation, isn't it? Because you actually sort of become part of this whole uh, situation. Yeah, it really was a very unexpected journey for me. I had intended to be a fly on the wall in this project. And because of the many allegations that get thrown around in this case. And very early on, I end up getting sucked into the story. Um, I think what's so intriguing about the case of Christina Whitaker is that it, on the surface, it, it feels like a girl who went missing because she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. But the yeah. more you dig underneath the surface <clears throat> into her life and into the town where she grew up in, in Hannibal, Missouri, you start finding yourself in a very crazy world that has you know, police corruption and organized crime and drug operations and on and on. It was it was a very unexpected journey. What is it about these small towns? I mean, I remember watching the um, the documentary on the Michael Jordan, you know, his dad's murder, and that was a small town, and there was police corruption there, and I know that she went missing in 2009, but what is it about a town like a Hannibal, Missouri, where there is a lot more going on, maybe even than in some big cities? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty wild, because, I mean, Hannibal, Missouri is actually really beautiful. It's this picturesque little town that sits right on the Mississippi River. It hails as being the boys at home of Mark Twain. Downtown right. is super cute with all the restaurants. And, and the locals are friendly. But yes, there are these open secrets that the, the locals will get very candid about. And that, you know, these allegations of, of drug operations and police corruption, organized crime, they will be open about it. It's interesting because, you know, our first three episodes have already dropped. But in episode four, that'll be coming out this Monday, I sit down with this former law enforcement official, and he tells me, you know, as his experience as a cop, he's like, look, there are more going on in these small river towns than you'll find in any big city. So, yeah, it's not necessarily unique to Hannibal. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's because they're on the river. I, I don't know what it is. And everybody just seems to know everybody. Is that the case here? Yes. Uh, Hannibal, Missouri is a town of uh, 17,000 people. And yeah. everybody seems to know everyone and everything. And there are a lot of connections, interconnections between, um, from what I'm told, from the law enforcement officials that have worked in the area and in the surrounding areas. They'll say that their biggest problem are loose lips in their own operations. And I, you know, what does that mean? And they're like, well, a lot of the good guys and bad guys grew up together. A lot of these people are family. So it's hard to sometimes really 
know if you can trust and, and, and know who the good guys and who the bad guys are. Christina Whitaker went missing in 2009, and you went there not necessarily to zero in on that case so much as just to, to do a story on families of, of missing people. Exactly right. In 2007, I started this project on what it was like for families of the missing. Um, I think particularly in the case of uh, missing adults, you have the right to be missing as an adult. So a lot of families, not all families, uh, feel the need to carry the weight of their own investigation. So I wanted to do a piece on what it was like for them. And I met Christina's parents in the summer of 2010 at a retreat for families of the missing. And I was very intrigued by uh, the case. I was intrigued and uh, I was driven by the passion that her mother had to find her and the fact that they had active leads. You know, after meeting all these wonderful families looking for their loved ones, I met this family that seemed like they were just a breath away from finding their loved one. And I wanted to help. So I dove in um, very naively, I, I will admit, and I admit in the show, uh, without trying to vet or a lot of times without being objective in the beginning, because I went in you know, on their side all in. And the more I uncover in Relentless, you'll see the more it complicates my relationship with the family. But in the end, you know, the goal is finding Christina, finding justice for Christina. So it, you know, it was a struggle and I get very candid about that struggle, but we remain focused and push through it all together to, to find her. And you were there for on this thing for over a decade. How, what did the police, what was their point of view about you hanging in there and continuing to look into this case? They, is there any resentment there? Because, I mean, was, was the case closed as far as they were concerned? No, it's still an active case in Hannibal. And this is a, a big thing that comes out, um, particularly in our, our final three episodes, uh, Hannibal, Missouri uh, Police Department never sat down with me, even from the beginning. They never gave me their point of view. Um, we actually started working together on one particular, but overall, they never wanted to cooperate. Um, and it was it, it was tough to, to push forward. And, I, you know, you will see me sit down with former officers from that department um, and people from the surrounding areas. And I think that there's a little bit of a, uh, a shroud of secrecy around the department. I've met some really great people in that department, I will say. It's not the entire department, but there right. is, um, you know, just this, um, we don't like to play well with others that I was even hearing from other law enforcement officials. So we didn't really have uh, coordination or cooperation, which was unfortunate to me because I kept trying to open up that channel. I think you know, let's join forces. I was willing to hand over everything I had whenever I had it. Um, but yeah, there was definitely not a lot of cooperation. And you'll see in the final episodes that we uncover, there was some reasons why maybe that cooperation was not happening. You were with this case, like I say, for over a decade. Were you working on other projects at the same time? Yeah, you know, by trade, I was uh, working as an editor for the last decade in TV. So you'll see in the show when I'm doing these diary cams, because this case doesn't just shut off. And that's what I wanted to be very raw. I wasn't trying to go over stylized in it because this was my life. I would be out of 
the gym work right out of the shower and I'm getting these leads and I would always answer the phone. Um, so I, a lot of times I'm doing these diary cams. I was at work working on these other shows. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I, I skip off to Hannibal on the weekend. So it was very exhausting, but, um, it became an obsession of mine. You know, I, I felt that if I didn't pick up the phone, what if that was the call that was going to lead me to her? So I always needed to go. I always needed to pick up the phone and look into everything. I've only seen the trailer, but I mean, it, the story itself just seems so rich. It actually seems rich enough that there could maybe be a big screen treatment of this someday. I mean, I don't know if you've thought about that, but man, it just seems like such an incredible story. Yeah, and I will say that since we dropped the first three episodes, a number of people in town um, who see others being brave enough to talk on camera have been calling me and filling in other little pieces of the puzzle. So yeah, there's, you know, I mean, who knows if we'll do a follow-up episode. I mean, there's definitely, um, definitely more to tell in this particular story, but also, you know, I, I keep in touch with a lot of uh, the other families of the missing that I met along the way and, and other stories of families who are fighting for justice, even for their murdered loved ones that I, you know, would love to share their stories. I mean, they're being relentless in their own cases. So I think that there are a lot of very rich stories out there to tell. It's great work by you. It's Christina Fontana's Relentless. It's now streaming on Discovery+. Plus. Good luck with everything in, in the future. It was great talking to you, Christina. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me. It is such an amazing story called from 400 hours of footage from field investigators, and you can check it out now on Discovery+. Plus. That finishes off this episode of The Fake Show Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Jim Dofty. See you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.